0: For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclillschool.org. All my life he has been faithful, right? He has been so, so good. We're going to talk about praising the goodness of God today. So it was was, um, a God thing that God uh, prepared the music to prepare our hearts to hear his word this morning. So open your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We've been talking about revival, right? As we've been having a family discussion about revival and, and God preparing to do a tremendous work in his church and in our lives. And, and uh, as we do that, we have to prepare ourselves, right? As, as we gather ready for God to do something we've got to make sure that we're that we're prepared we've talked about for the last couple of weeks about getting desperate for God we've got to be a people that are just desperate for a movement of God in our lives and in the life of our church have we gotten to that point yet where where we just we don't want anything else this is the most important thing we are desperate for a touch from God we've talked about cleaning out our junk right we talked about getting all those things that clutter up our spiritual life, getting those out of the way so that we can properly hear God, so that we can be ready to move when God says to move. We can be ready to do what He calls us to do. To do that, we've got to kind of get the junk cleared out of our lives. We talked about that. We talked about that we have to stop, look, and listen, right? Sometimes we're so busy talking to God or we're so busy moving through life that we just don't pause to listen to God. We don't stop. We don't look for him, and we don't listen for him. And if revival is going to be something that's going to overtake us, then we're going to have to stop, look, and listen. Because God is talking to us. We've got to listen for him to do that. Last week, we looked at getting honest. We've got to get honest with God about ourselves. We've got to get honest with each other about ourselves. It's about being transparent. It's about being authentic. It's about not being separated by how we think people believe we ought to be. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be honest with God about who we are. And, and you know, God knows our, our failings. God knows our shortcomings. God knows where we, where we stumble and we suffer. So it's not any surprise to God, but we have got to be real with Him. And we've got to be real with each other. We've got to ask each other to pray for each other. We've got to we've got to tell each other what's going on in our lives so that we can know how to pray for one another. As a body of believers, that's what we're supposed to do. To lift one another up. To celebrate with each other, absolutely. But also to pray with each other when we're going through rough patches. We've got to be willing to be honest with our brothers and sisters. If we're going to experience true revival, we've got to get these things, pride and, and, and whatever it is that's keeping us from from being uh, legitimate with each other. we got to get that out of the way so God can do a tremendous thing in us. And so today, we're going to be talking about singing in the wilderness. Singing in the wilderness. Psalm 100 is a song of hope. Those of us who have been going through Psalm the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing David praying some really honest prayers to God. Things are not going well for David. His son is trying to kill him. He's on the run in the wilderness. And what is he doing? He is praising God with his words. He's calling on God. He's being totally dependent on God. He is desperate for God in his life. These are are the things that, that we see that David is a great example of that we need to get into our lives. And so now we see a song of hope where David shouts Words of of encouragement. Words of praise. Take a look at beginning in verse 1. David writes, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations boy how far david has come right how far he has come he started out on the run hopeless in himself looking to god and it's amazing what time spent with god will do for you it's amazing and i think you know if if you really get into your devotional time or you really get into your prayer time with God and you really commit to spending some time alone with God, you will be amazed at how your perspective changes. You'll be amazed at what time spent with God will do for you. And that's what David is discovering right now. This is a psalm of praise from the beginning to the end. He is praising who God is. The two stanzas that we just we just read together call us to praise god passionately and to praise him continually for who he is and what he does not during the good times i mean not during just the good times but to continually praise god for who he is and what he does anytime david communicates i think seven really important things in this song and they're covered in the first the first few verses that we looked at together he says we should shout joyfully not just scream not just scream, but shout joyfully to the Lord. Let's not be afraid to be heard praising the Lord. Shout joyfully to Him. Serve the Lord. Not begrudgingly or, or half-heartedly, but serve the Lord with gladness. <clears throat> I think about, while I was reading this verse, I think about one of the, there's a, a song, I don't even know if anybody sings it anymore, but there's a song that, that, uh, that came out. It was a, it was a contemporary chorus. Uh, but it's, I, you know, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And that's kind of what David is saying. That, that song was taken from the, the words and the spirit of Psalm 100. And that's, that's, what, da- that's what David's doing. He tells us to shout joyfully, to serve the Lord. He says to come before him, not just with repetitious singing. Not just with repetitious singing, but with, a, with joyful singing. It's not about just saying the right words over and over again. It's by just being open to the Lord and, and by letting your joy in Him spill out through your mouth and through your actions spill out so the world can see, so God can be glorified by that. He tells us, David tells us to enter His gates. Enter His gates. He says, come into his church with a thankful heart. Are we here this morning with a thankful heart? Are we here this morning because of what God has done for us? The abundance that God has done for us. Even through tough seasons, God continues to love us and continues to bless us. He continues to carry us. So do we enter his church with thanksgiving for that? How about entering his courts? Come into his presence with the spirit of worship. Are we prepared? Are our hearts prepared for an encounter with God today? Have we worshipped? Are we worshipping as we read his word? Are we worshipping as we sing the songs? Are they just words that we sing or do we let those penetrate through the, the noise, through the, the daily grind, through those things that would distract us, do we let the songs that we sing pierce us right where we live? Do we sing because He has been so, so good? Joyful, joyful, we adore the God of glory, Lord of love. Do we, does that, are those just words? Or do we mean them when we sing them? That's what he talks about entering his courts. David tells us to give thanks to God, give thanks to Him, to let our heart overflow with the gratitude that we have to the Lord. We should be engaged in thanksgiving all of the time. God has blessed us in so many ways. God has watched out after us. He has taken care of us. He has provided for us. He has loved us with a love that never ends. He has showered us with mercy that is fresh every day. He has given us His grace. And because of that, we have the ability to come to the cross and to drop on our knees before the Father and to confess our sins and to know that He is faithful to forgive us our sins. Are we thankful? Are we a thankful people are we a grumbling people? David tells us from the midst of his despair to be thankful, to be thankful every day. He tells us to praise His name with the whole body of believers. We gather together. We sing. We study. And one of the main purposes of doing that is to praise the name of the living God. We praise Him for who He is and what He has done. We praise Him for His his role in our life. We praise Him for saving us. We praise Him for healing us. We praise Him for blessing us. We we praise Him for, for, for just the multitude of things that we know and don't know that God has done on our behalf. When we truly acknowledge... When we truly acknowledge our desperate need for God, we're going to respond with adoration. When when, when it truly makes sense to us what God has done for us, how far we have come, how far we have yet to go, but the, the idea being that God is not going to leave us to walk that path by ourselves, that He walks with us every step of the way. He is around us. He is over us. He is above us. He is everywhere. He is taking care of the things in our life that that He promises He is going to do. The only way we can respond to that is with joy and thanksgiving and adoration for who He is. When we realize the abundance of God's gracious gifts, That he he has bestowed on lives that are unworthy. Guys, let me tell you something. We are unworthy for what God has done for us. God himself has made us worthy. And then he has rained those blessings down on us. It's nothing we have done. All we have done is surrender ourselves to him. We have responded in obedience to him. We have tried to get up every morning and live our lives in a way that helps us to grow in the likeness of Christ. And God continues to to bless us with that. When we realize the abundance of His gifts, we will approach Him with willing hearts. Our service, our service to one another in our community, and our church, will be motivated by glad hearts. Not out of some kind of sense of duty or... uh, or anything like that, but with with a delight that is just overflowing. Do we serve with gladness? When people look at us as members of the body of Christ, when people look at us and they see our lives, do they see lives that are marked with joy, with gladness, with service? This is all part of growing into the likeness of Christ because that's who Christ is. Do we love people like Jesus loves us? Do we love with the same kind of heart that Jesus loves us with? When we're desperate for God, when we're desperate for Him, we aren't desperate for the spotlight. It's not about us. When we're desperate for God, it's not about us. It's all about God, it's all about Jesus. And what He has done. And what He is going to do. And His promises and His faithfulness. And His victory. When we're desperate for Him, we're not desperate for the spotlight. A spirit of genuine humility is going to cover what we do. Because we've got nothing to lose. And we've got nothing to prove. Because who we are is in Christ. Who we are is in Christ. reading a, a book for one of my classes this, this summer. And one of the things it talks about is overcoming um, the parts of your personality that make you a success are the same parts of your personality that can also trip you up. And so one of the things that it talks about is that, that folks that are very successful people, um, they can tend to shift their focus inward and it becomes about them. And everything about their success, everything about what's going on in their life is totally just consumed with who they are. And what it says is, you give that up when you realize that it's not about you. Nothing we do is about us, y'all. Nothing we do is about us. As children of God, everything we do is a reflection of Him. And that's the kind of the attitude we need to take and keep with it, right? Because that that will help us focus our energies and focus our efforts, and it will help us get our hearts right so that we can receive what God has for us. We can can be prepared for the revival that God is going to bring in our hearts and the life of our church when we understand where we properly put the focus. Leonard Bernstein, the great musician and and conductor was asked this question, what is the most difficult instrument to play? So what is the most difficult instrument to play? And he replied, second fiddle. He says, I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays violin with as much enthusiasm or second French horn or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet if no one plays second, we have no harmony. We need to be second fiddle to the Lord in our lives. The Lord wants to create a wonderful symphony, a beautiful symphony out of our lives. But we've got to be willing to play second fiddle. We've got to be willing to, to combine with the Lord to create that harmony. In this world of self worship, though, our desperation for God drives us to our knees. In worship before the one, the only one, who is worthy of our praise. Our culture will tell us that we need to worship ourselves. That we need to, to take credit for everything that goes on in our lives that are, that's good. And, and to push blame off on somebody else for something that's not good that happens to us. Or something that we do that we can blame it on. Tells us that we need to look inside. That we need to take care of, of ourselves. We need to praise ourselves and glorify ourselves and take pictures of ourselves. I'm not getting on that again. I did that last Sunday. But that is so contrary to the gospel. The gospel drives us to reach out beyond ourselves to serve others, to love and to serve and to reach outside, to do so with a spirit that's not ours but the Lord's, with a strength that's not ours but the Lord's. We need to move away from self worship. And more to the worship of the one who is worthy of our praise. The late great evangelist Vance Havner used to say. It's one thing to say Jesus is all you want. Until He's all you've got. And then you'll discover he's all you ever needed. Only the desperate cry out to God. Only the desperate cry out to God. The self-satisfied can't. The self-sufficient won't. Notice, if you will, the characteristics of of those that Jesus blesses in the Beatitudes in in Matthew 5. He blesses the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the gentle, the pure in heart, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the peacemakers, the persecuted. Those descriptions are a far cry from the the self-made man. That our postmodern generation tells us we need to make sure that we honor and we glorify. Far cry from where, where the world would want us to head. If you go to the church, this is kind of an interesting little factoid. If you go to the church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, you're going to cross an open market and you're going to go to a very small entrance that forces you to duck down to get in to the church. Centuries ago, local rulers and folks would come from all over the world on a pilgrimage there and they would come and they would come into town, they would blow into town with their entourage and their horses and the great pomp and, and ceremony. But the priests who designed the church thoughtfully lowered the height of the door so that folks would have to stoop to enter. Regardless of your position, you have to stoop to enter. To enter into the presence of God... We have to stoop. We have to enter. We have to approach Him with humility. Because we don't approach Him on our own. See, God made a way for us to approach Him. God made a way for us to enter His gates and enter His courts. God made a way in the person and in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He made a way for us to do that. So when we understand that we don't come before Him based on anything we have accomplished. Our accomplishments will not get us anywhere with the Lord. We come before Him with humility because we know that every good thing that's about us comes from Him. And so we give Him the glory that He deserves. I've talked many times, as you know, about my problem with always trying to help God out. I feel like, uh, you know, God's a real busy man So sometimes if he doesn't answer fast enough, I try to take care of it myself. I know you probably experienced the same problem too. And many times in the past, we've needed a, a fresh thought or a fresh word from God, but we've been too busy striving in our flesh. We've been too busy trying to do it on our own. When God is saying, let me take care of that, let me handle that. This is what I told you I'm going to take care of. Have faith in me. Have confidence in me. Trust in me. And we're sitting there going, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. you, You're my Lord and my Savior and I believe everything about you, but I'm going to handle this. We've got to be sensitive to those times in our lives when we would take something back from the Lord to try to take care of it ourselves and surrender them to God before we start working on them ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're sensitive to that. Lord, help me to be sensitive to know when I'm pulling back so that I can stop And that I can be still and know that you are God. Be still and know that you are Lord. We've got to get desperate for God. And to do that, we've got to come to the end of ourselves. Only then can we develop the right attitude as we we approach the Lord, ready to listen, ready to act on His instructions. The only way we can do that is if we come to the end of ourselves. One of the greatest stories, one of the greatest stories of desperation before God is found in the book of 2 Chronicles. And if you will, just go ahead and flip to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Because in chapter 20, we find the nation of Judah facing some pretty overwhelming odds. The king at that time was Jehoshaphat. I don't know if he's the one of jumping fame, but that's his name. And he was a good king. You know, the Bible tells us, we see all throughout the history portions of the Bible that, that Israel and Judah both went through, they would, they would went through a series of bad kings and they would have a couple of good ones. And then they would go through, you know, it would be up and down with, with their leadership. But Jehoshaphat was a good one. He was a good one. He led his people to seek God. He led his people to grow closer to him. And he did that not by command, but by example. He himself was close to the Lord. He himself sought out God. And so the people around him saw his example. And then they they would then be led in that way to the Lord. He talked with God. He prepared himself and his people to surrender to God and to let God fight the battles in their lives. Verse 1 tells us what's getting ready to happen. Reports came to the king that that a great army that was made up of at least three of the nations that were opposed to the nation of Judah, they had come together and they were preparing to invade and conquer the kingdom. Verse 3 tells us this, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. So what did the king do first? He finds out that this great army is massing these, these people that are, is going to totally overwhelm and overrun the forces that he can throw together. So what does he do? Does he convene his war council? No, that's not the first thing he does. No, he summons the entire nation to get together to seek the Lord. Before he makes another move, he surrenders to God. It's kind of an important lesson for us too, right? The things that are going on in our lives. Not always just things that are going to overwhelm us, but, but, but daily activities. Do we try to amass our defenses first? Or do we surrender to the Lord? Then the king, the king himself in front of his entire nation, cried out to God. He wasn't too proud to admit in front of the people that he was given to rule, that he didn't have all the answers. He cried out to God. Look at verse 6. He says, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. He called out to God by talking about who God was. He reminded his people and himself through his prayer of who God is. The king faced an overpowering army, and he called the people to prayer and to fasting. Jehoshaphat prayed to God. He reminded them, and actually reminded himself too, of, of his power, of his sovereignty, of his promise. He admitted the people's desperate need for him. And the king cried out, looking at verse 12 Oh God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. And he says this. But our eyes are on you. We're facing an an enemy that we can't conquer. We can't defeat. We don't know what it holds. We can't do this on our own. But Lord, our eyes are on you. Alistair begged when he was preaching on this particular passage one time. Paraphrased Jehoshaphat's prayer by saying this Lord, we're just a bunch of pathetic losers, and if you don't help us, we're sunk. And if you can admit, if you can admit that you need God, that you can't handle it on your own, no matter how hard you try, then you're well on your way to being desperate for God to move in your heart, and your life. And that's the way it is with all of us. When we can admit to God that we are not able, then God can say, I am able. When we can admit to God that we just, that we just can't, God says, I can. And I will. And if we can do that together, we're well on our way to revival in our hearts and, and revival in the church, if we can admit that. Well, how did the story end? didn't end with just the kings crying out to God for help and, and, and telling that, that, that we're weak and we can't do it and you have to do it. Well, God sent word that he would fight for them. Through the prophet, God said, do not fear or be dismayed. I'm looking at verse 15. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And he said in verse 17, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them. For the Lord is with you. God says, Don't worry about the battle before you. Go out to face it, and I will fight for you. So go out, they did. He assembled his army, and he went to the place that the Lord told him to go and observe the battle. Verse 21 says, When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. How would you have liked to have been a singer during this? You go to this, you go to this place where you can look at and see this great army that's massed before you and the king says, All right, singers, people who sing praises to the Lord, line up in front of the army and do your thing. That's what he did. He didn't lead with his, best, with his best military. He led with praise. He led with those who give thanksgiving. He led by leaving it to God. And God was true to his word. He was true to his word. The armies right in front of the army of Judah turned on each other and slaughtered each other to the last man. The Bible tells us, so they were routed. Was it because the king and his strategic military planning? No. Was it because they outfought or they outmaneuvered this huge army? No. No. They didn't lift a finger. What they did lift was their hearts and their voices to God. And God delivered them. God was the only plan. They surrendered themselves to Him completely. And He won the great victory. There was no plan B. There was nothing outside God intervening in this situation that would have saved This the nation of Judah. They went to that plain. And they watched God move. They watched God fight that battle for them. But it was because they left it with him. Lord, we don't know what to do. We can't do this on our own, but you can and. We know you're going to take care of us. Do we pray that prayer? Have we prayed that prayer? You see, the victory and the glory was the Lord's. And it still is. When we're willing to admit our inability, we're willing to admit our weakness to God, when we're willing to fall on His mercy and grace, when we, like we discussed last week, when we get real, get honest with God, When we praise Him, He will move in our lives and in the life of our church in a mighty way. When we surrender and leave it with Him. The doxology is a hymn that I just love. A little short thing. We used to sing it all the time when I was growing up at First Baptist Church, Moss Point. You see the doxology all the time. Praise God to whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Is that a part of our hearts? Do we praise Him? Do we lift Him up? Do we honor and glorify Him? If we're praising God, we're not praising ourselves. If we're praising Him, we're making, making much of Him and less of ourselves. You see, our praise should, should necessarily involve surrender. Surrender. Our praise has to be a surrender of ourselves to Him. Our agenda, our desires, who we are, we surrender it to Him. And because of that, our voices can be lifted in praise to Him because He is going to handle it. He's going to take care of it. He is going to lead us. He is going to direct us. Do we need to die to self and surrender to the reins and surrender our reins to the Lord? That's the question that we have to answer. And we can only answer that in our hearts, our own individual hearts. And then we get together and answer that corporately as a church family. But do you need to die to yourself and surrender the reins of your life to the Lord? Because that's the only way that this path that we're on together is going to work. Otherwise, we're we're pulling against the Lord. Do we give Him the reins? Do we give Him control? Do we give Him that of ourselves that we have to give up so that He can make us who He created us to be? If we're going to experience revival, we've got to give up us. I've got to give up me. You've got to up, give up you. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the challenge that we have as believers. Look, if you're here today and, and you haven't made a decision, if you haven't made the decision to give everything to the Lord to make Jesus Christ the Lord and, the Lord and Savior of your life, then you've got to give up the reins to experience the blessing that God has for you. You've got to give up the reins. You've got to let Him handle it. God let him be Lord and Savior. It's one thing for us to say intellectually, yes, Jesus is Savior and Lord of my life, my hope, my glory, my all. Wonderful master joy in joy and in strife. On him you too may call. It's easy to say that. It's easy to sing it. But are we doing it? Are we doing it? Have we made it a part of who we are? And that's what we have to, to grapple with. It's going to take every one of us doing that, every one of us surrendering, every one of us laying down whatever it is that that would separate us from the Lord, laying down the agendas that we have, whatever that is, whatever it is. It's going to require us being honest with each other and truthful with each other and loving one another. It's going to require us to serve more than we thought we could, to love greater and deeper than we thought we could. Why? Because we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in the strength of, of God doing it because the Holy Spirit is living inside us and moving and, and, and teaching and breaking and rebuilding. And that's what he does. And thank goodness he does that. Thank the Lord he does that. We've got to let that happen. If we're going to be the church, and I don't mean this, this particular church, but if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the people that he wants us to be, the people that he's created us to be, these are the things we have to do. And it starts with letting go of us picking up more of Jesus Christ you ready to do that today father I just I just thank you so much for the way that you that you teach us God I thank you for your love for us God I I just thank you for all the ways that that you continue to reach out to us when we're disobedient when we don't listen Lord you're you don't you don't just throw in the towel and walk away and say, fine, you have it on your own. Father, you, you continue to call us to what's good and what's best. You call us to what's right. And Lord, sometimes in order to pick that up, we've got to let down. We've got to put down some of the things that we are, are carrying throughout life, some of the things that, that weight us down. We've got to clean out the junk in the, in the closets of our, of, our, of our faith and our spirit. Lord, we've just got to Well, listen. Lord, we have to thank You and and live a life of thanksgiving and and praise to You for everything that You are. Lord, we're going to need strength to do that. We're going to need help doing that. And Father, like so many times when You call us to do things, You also provide the way. And Lord, I just thank You for, for sending Jesus to be the ultimate example. Thank you for the stories that you give us in your word these uh, of people who were broken fragile people but at the right time they rose to the occasion Lord let this be our time let this be our time to rise to the occasion there is a world that desperately needs to know who you are there's a community that is hurting and needs to know of your love for them there's a church that is waiting Ready to just explode with faith, with love, with service, with discipleship. Lord, we are ready. Fill us with your heart today. In Jesus' name.